Hey team, it's Renee from Big Stick Energy, BSE. We are on episode 42. This episode's with Cassidy Gray. I'll introduce her a bit later. How wild is it that we're on episode 42? I still find it kind of hard to believe that we are doing this, that we had this opportunity, and we're doing our best to make the show better bit by bit. It's It's been an, a journey, and, and we're still on it. So first part of my sandwich of an interview is letting you know that we're working on our audio. We've got some new audio equipment. We're getting it all hooked up. I had to buy a brand new computer because my 2010 MacBook Air was done computing as far as having good equipment hooked up to my machine and it recognizing what that was. So coming up soon to ears new, near you, our audio equipment will be upgraded. So Tori and I are stoked about that. Leave us a review. Let us know how, how you like it. Any other tips, trip, tricks, feedback that you have, we'd love to hear it. You can put that in wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website. We're stoked that you're here and we want to keep you around. So second part of this sandwich is the sad part of the sandwich. And I, I just wanted to take a moment and just say a little bit something about um, Hillary Nelson, because it's a really big loss in the community this past week. And I just felt like we had to acknowledge it on our show because she really embodies a lot of the things that we felt that the like the whole industry as a whole was missing. And she's just such a good mentor and role model for so many folks and, and someone that people felt like they saw representation in, in what she was doing and, and how well she did it. And um, I have a few quotes that I've read from her in the past week or so, and I just really want to share them with you guys just to kind of sum up a little bit of, of who she was and what she did. So the first one, women need to stop underselling themselves. Stop acquiescing and know that if you're out there pushing the limits, then you're worth it. And so much of we do, what we do here and people that we talk to is if you're out there, you're trying hard, you're worth it and you deserve to take up space and you deserve to love and you deserve to be loved. You deserve to feel like you belong. And she was really a pilot of starting that in the mountain, mountaineering world. And even more so having kids and getting back out there and still just crushing and just showing that you could have children and you can still be an athlete. Because I, I think that's something that as women, women in athletic spaces, it's, it's not always valued equally. So that was kind of the first quote that stuck out to me. And another one that I, I really enjoyed of hers, which I've kind of already touched on why, why I love it is um, it's much easier to be something when you see a path put down by women before you. And that's something we've talked about a lot on the podcast is representation. And whether that's women, whether it's any other group of underrepresented people, seeing other people do what you want to do 
is what lights the fire for you to go do it, for you to believe that you can do it, and for the sport as a whole to progress and to keep just crushing through progression with new athletes and new things and new objectives. And um, yeah, we lost a good one this week and, and she really was influential in the skiing and mountaineering world for women, especially. So rest in peace, Hillary. Now coming back to the good part of our sandwich, I'm going to introduce our guest for this week, Cassidy Gray. Cassidy is a member of the Canadian Alpine Ski Team. We talked a little bit about ski racing, some myths about ski racing, beliefs about ski racing, and why she loves ski racing. So one of the coolest things about this episode is that by the end of this episode, I was, I think for the first real time this season, stoked to go skiing because I've been having so much fun on my mountain bike. But after talking to Cassidy and getting that preseason itch a little bit, Tori and I both left this conversation like, dang, I want to go skiing. I am stoked to ski and I'm ready to ski and let's go do this. So we talked a bit about her goals. We talked about her experiences being overseas, racing overseas, um, like World Cup type races. So what she's doing is no joke. Like they go fast and there are consequences and you need to be strong to be able to do that. So we really got into some preseason training from things that she's doing to things that all of us average Joe's weekend warriors, we can also do. So getting strong is great for not getting injured and for just having a good time. If you go out there and you're not hurting, you're going to have a better time than if you don't prepare your body whatsoever for skiing downhill because, um, yeah, skiing's fun, but skiing's more fun when you can ski harder for longer. If you're into doing any type of sport outside, any sport in general, then having a good selection of gels, tablets, energy bars, waffles, all that kind of stuff, it's something that you need to have because you need that quick fix if you're bonking when you're doing an activity. And not having enough variety in the products that you have kind of sucks. So um, Goo Energy is tackling that. Uh, not only do they have one of the widest array of flavors and products, in the industry, but they are also a family owned business that makes their gels right next to their office in Berkeley, California with over 30 years of experience. Um, they're science backed and athlete proven and they're here to kind of change up the game for the flavors and profiles and products that we get that are effective in helping us stay energized and rejuvenated when we're outside. Um, they're super effective, convenient, it's energy on the go in many different tasty flavors. They have Stroop waffles, hydration tabs, the whole nine yards. It's available at gooenergy.com. You can also get it on Amazon and local specialty retailers like DEI, Dix, etc. Um, if you want to jump on Goo Energy and try some of their varied flavors, you can use the code out of bounds to get 20% off at gooenergy.com. Definitely hit that up, you guys. Winter is coming, and if you're going ski touring, you are going to want to have a good variety of products. Thank you to Deuter for being a sponsor of our show. 
I cannot mention these backpacks without <laughs> telling a hilarious story of a backpack that my dad had from Deuter. And he has, I think, finally gotten it back, but I'm not sure because my mom, my sister, and I all found this backpack to be so comfortable that we took it from him and would often borrow it without necessarily giving it back. And I don't think he saw this pack for years because the rest of us always wanted to hike with it. So that was my intro to Deuter. I have two bags currently from them, one for biking, one for skiing. A uh, couple highlights from those that I love is the Freerider backpacks, opening from the back, ski pack for ski touring. If it does not open from the back, I cannot have it. So that's like one of the single most best qualities of a ski pack is having that back open as well as a separate pack for your abbey gear that you can easily get to this pack has both of those super comfy the other one i have is the flight backpack for biking i use it almost every day to ride to and from work because it fits all of my lunch and nursing gear and everything when i'm on the bike and then um, because i have the 14 liter it's great if i'm doing like a longer day on the trails so Super comfy, fits really nice on the hips, and uh, Deuter, D-E-U-T-E-R. Go check them out. Born in Switzerland in 1862, what started out as climbing ropes has now grown to a global brand that is known across the ski industry as an industry leader. The goal of Mamu is to enable people to push their limits in the outdoors, but always keeping in mind safety. So you've got climbing ropes, climbing gear, your clothing layers, outerwear, things that are going to keep you safe and warm, sleeping bags, backpacks, etc. The most well-known product, I would say, in the winter from Mamut is their Berryvox transceivers. It is known to be the industry favorite, the product that guides are leaning towards, that they are using in their everyday, everyday professional lives. And any avalanche safety professionals, they've all got a Berryvox transceiver, and there's a reason for that. So check them out, Mamut, and push those limits, but do it safe, you know? Episode 42, Cassidy Gray, dropping three, two, one. Do you want to introduce yourself quickly? Maybe just yes, tell everybody sure. who you are, what you do. Yes. Okay. My name is Cassidy Gray. I'm 21 years old and I'm going into my second season as a full-time member of the Canadian Alpine Ski Team. I went to the Olympics this last season. I won a gold medal at World Juniors, which was kind of random. And <laughs> yeah, they've done some cool stuff, got to see some cool things, be around cool people. I just um, live a very, I don't know, a cool life. And I think it's nice to be able to share that with people. Yeah. For sure. I think that's a, a unique perspective on ski racing too, because it's such like an individualistic sport. But then like the team that you're with, you guys travel together all the time. Yeah, I would I would say that for the 60 seconds that you push out at the start and then you cross the finish, it's an individual sport, but everything else that goes on around it is 100% a team sport. And it's kind of funny because I grew up and I only did team sports and ski racing was like one of the only sports that was individual. 
but I don't think I it stood out to me like that because it felt like such a team thing because your teammates are with you in the start gate, your teammates are with you in the finish. You have a group of staff, a group of teammates that you're with all the time. And as much as results are individual group success, you can feel it throughout the whole team. It's not just if one person does well, you feel it throughout the whole team. It's not as individual as it might be perceived to be. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that's like um, something that's more common this year? I remember hearing from like ex ski racers um, or like people that were involved with Alpine Canada previously, that there wasn't quite as much of like a solid team dynamic as there is like this season or last season. Yeah. I think um, it comes a lot down to personalities because it is, um, I don't know how to phrase that, but it comes down a lot to personalities just because it can be an individual sport, I guess. But if you have a team, in my opinion, you're going to have way more fun, have way more success. And it'll, it's just going to be a much happier career than if you're just grinding solo the whole time. Um, I think the group that I've grown up with, and I felt that a lot at World Juniors too, is very much driven by team success and um a lot of my friends that are just coming onto the team this year we we established at the beginning of the year we're like we want good team culture we want to be good teammates we want to support each other we want to lift each other up like we don't want an individual program that we all wear the same jackets we want a team that does things as a team and if you look at a lot of the really successful Countries on the World Cup, like Norway, for example, absolutely thrives off of their team culture. And I think that's something that when it when people are all collectively on the same page and want that team culture, it can be such a game changer. But I think the the team dynamic is really cool. And I remember like um like I just joined Alpine Canada in February. And I remember when I joined, it was like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of results. I was so tired. It was like <laughs> trying to work in three different time zones at once. But it was it was really cool to see, like apparently Canada hasn't had this many results. And like for you guys to win that gold medal at, um, oh, was huge, especially on like home turf. And to watch that moment when you won on the other side was just like, I think everybody could feel it. It was just, it was a really big moment and kind of showed the value of team dynamics in the sport. Yeah, and especially in, in that event, because it was a, a team event, so it's, I guess, it is like a team effort. Um, it was really cool to see not just the four athletes that were participating, but then also all of our other teammates that were there to participate in all the other events that week were so amped up and so dialed in. And I honestly think they were more nervous than we were, the ones that were watching. And everybody really bought into the team at World Juniors. And the energy was unreal. That was like one of the coolest teams I've ever had a chance to be the part of. And it was, yeah. it was nice to get the gold medal, but I feel like we would have had that, that little bond and that team dynamic regardless. Definitely. I like even though like I work in this industry and like I'll, I'll watch the free world tour if my, like my friends are in it and stuff like that. But I won't usually just like turn on the TV to watch sports. It's never been something that 
I would do. And then like working at Alpine Canada and witnessing moments like that, I was like, oh, this is why people watch sports. It's like, this is such like a humanizing, like community, like heartfelt moment of like success and drive and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I feel it. I get it. This is dope. And you, yeah, you guys, yeah, I don't know. It was sick. Um, yeah. Sports is funny that way. It's like, you your team could not win for like 10 years in a row but then like the raptors for example however many years ago the one year they win it's like that moment feels like the biggest moment for somebody that's been a fan for so long and i think that was kind of our moment at world juniors it was like a while or like a few races of maybe not the best results and all of that stuff but then when your team does well that's like the that's the the like appeal for live sports I think is it's like that one percent of the time that your team actually does well unless you're like a legends fan or something like a Lindsay Vaughn fan you don't really get that because she wins everything but like (laughs) (laughs) maybe an underdog fan that's when that's when you start feeling if you're rooting for underdogs that's where the true live sport passion comes through and something where you have a whole season worth of it like ski racing is not just one event you have several events all over the world the whole season um like i can't say that i necessarily have been watching ski racing i will watch the occasional one for sure like we used to have the lake louise world cup and Mm -hmm. i would usually watch that because i was there and i think it's just the fact that i never really got into ski racing myself it wasn't something that i did so that's why i would follow the freeride world tour but you just gain such a respect for it seeing it live and seeing how actually fast people are going it blew my mind yeah you don't fully realize when you see on a screen how fast these people are skiing down and then they whiz by you and you're like holy shit i see why your quads (laughs) look as big as they are (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so true yeah the fitness though like i remember like that canada day party um is that where I met you for the first time? Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. yeah in but uh, like Brody, uh, shit, what's Brody's last name? Seeger. Seeger. Yeah, yeah, Brody Seeger. He was wearing these like jean short shorts and his Ripping thighs. out of them. <laughs> I was just like, your thigh is the size of my torso. Like it's freaking massive. I was like, that should be like illegal. Yeah. I was like, that's a whole other definition of like thick thighs. Oh, yeah. No, he was busting through those jeans. Jeez. Yeah. Cause like, um, I don't think people realize how much work goes into being able to like manage the G force and be able to like control every single aspect of your edge and like choosing a line and just like it it takes so much strength to do it, which is a huge part of your job being an athlete is just to hit the gym twenty four seven. Yeah, I think I mean, while we're skiing, we definitely take for granted a little bit of our strength because if you ever ski and you don't have strength you're like major oh shit moments it's like you know when you when you realize you thought you were strong enough and you actually weren't and suddenly you're tumbling at 100 kilometers an hour that's like a major oh shit moment but yeah the that's why we train as hard as we do because we do not want to come across those moments too often it's like a year-round type of grind to make sure that we're fit enough to be able to do that kind of stuff yeah i guess totally. you kind of got to be able to take a hit as well like, <laughs> Harry loves to say that what take a hit yeah <laughs> i mean i've had too many concussions to do that now but it's like 
<laughs> limiting the hit taking <laughs> yeah I'm like I'm soft now I'm a limp noodle but it's fine um yeah, <laughs> yeah. one thing that I, I where I was going before I got distracted by talking about thighs was um like this year I started watching the downhill mountain bike racing and just watching more than one event you just kind of get into it and you get to see like, who the athletes are and and then you find your favorites and you start kind of rooting for them so I was like hmm you know, I've gotten into downhill mountain bike racing. I've never watched that before. So maybe this is my year for ski racing. <laughs> yeah, there, there are some striking similarities in those two sports. The only unfortunate part about ski racing is it happens at like two in the morning, North America time. So it's like kind of inconvenient to watch, but there are a lot of similarities between those two sports. So if you like downhill mountain biking, I would suggest giving ski racing a try. The, the tight you? suits isn't for everyone, but it's it's the, fun. The lycra, the toit toit, yeah. <laughs> toit like a toyga. Yeah. yeah that's but then, how would I have noticed how massive the thighs are? Like, here you go. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Renee, you you can't totally admire the like the girth of the. Th I shouldn't have used girth there. That's such an uncomfortable <laughs> word of the thighs until you see them in person in person in like change for shorts. It's just like double wide. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking about Brody's short shorts. I don't know if he'll ever <laughs> listen to this, but if he does, I'm probably going to get a really good I'm going to text him and recommend. I'm like, listen, from <laughs> this minute to this minute, just just give it a listen. You'll like this. <laughs> We're just bragging about your thighs, which we have no yeah, relationship. He'll be blushing. He'll be we blushing. gawk at him. <laughs> they still <laughs> so <didn't> have. <laughs> well, I remember... Yeah. The first time I met any of the downhill, like the speed boys, and then like um because they're friends with Roger and then like I walked into the athlete excellence dinner and Brody was like this is Tori this is this is like the one and I was like I was not expecting them to be that big like posting photos of them and doing any social media stuff or like media stuff for Alpine Canada is like you don't really get the scope when you look at photos I was like damn it's like you guys yeah. are tall and just strong but um on like a totally separate note uh you mentioned that like you can't really watch it outside of like live streaming outside of like 2 a.m. because all of the races are in different countries, right? Mm -hmm. How do you think that affects like the fandom of ski racing? Like I would say a lot of people aren't very familiar with it. Yeah, I would like and honestly, if I wasn't a ski racer, I probably wouldn't be that into it either. I mean, like any other North American sport is so much more convenient to watch. And like they, they have it streamed so that North Americans can watch it. Whereas ski racing is more of a Europe central sport. So it happens at like two in the morning, our time. But um, I think it, I think it's like slowly growing as, as we've had more races, like Killington has been a huge race to get a little bit more ski racing energy in North America, but it definitely is just tricky because like it's great once you know what the sport is and once you can watch it and understand and know what you're looking for, know what's good and bad, but just generally getting into it, they really don't make it easy, especially in Canada. We don't really have, I think CBC streams some races, not all. We don't have like commentators all the time and stuff. So it takes away a little bit from like watching the sport. I think the U S has a little bit better system. They get, have commentators and, I think they're slowly starting to build and I hope that Canada will follow after that, but it's really just, it's difficult because it's not easy to watch. 
And the thing about watching sports is it's supposed to be easy. You're supposed to like put on a game or put on a sport and eat your dinner and like cheer and all of that. But if it's not easy to watch, sometimes it's just not worth going through the effort to watch it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think people like, unless you're aware of the, I don't know, the technical aspect of it, like the skills, like the strategy, I feel like people don't even know what it is. Like there's a newbie to sit down and like, if they do find a way to watch a tech event, it's just like, like, so if you could give like a crash course on like why somebody should be interested in ski racing or like why it's rad and like those brief kind of like technical aspects like what would your elevator pitch be on that yeah so i mean when i when i tell people um like alpine skier they're like oh like the half pipe i'm like "Mm, not quite they're like oh like the bumps i'm like it's one way you go around the gates you know and that usually sparks uh, some things in the brain but basically start to finish there's a start gate each person goes one at a time And as soon as you kick out of the start gate, your time starts. And the goal is to be the fastest from the start to the finish. And then there are the gates that you have to go around. So there's different disciplines that represent different distances between the gates. So downhill would be the biggest. There's a ton of distance between those gates. Then Super G is like a little bit less than downhill, but still pretty big. Then GS is about 25 meters between the gates, 25 to 30 and then slalom, you get anywhere from 15 to 10 meters between the gates. So it's really quick and high paced. And yeah, you got to ski around all the gates. There's um, sometimes outside gates. So you ski through the gate. Like there'll be the inside gate and the outside gate. And you go through the two of those. And yeah, fastest to the finish is the winner. And it's uh, in tech events, you get two runs. So you do your first run. And then at the World Cup, only the top 30 qualify for the second run. And then for the second run, they flip. So the order of who came first to who came 30th is flipped. So the person who comes 30th will go first. And then the person who came first will go 30th. And you go through and, yeah, fastest, top to bottom, takes it all. What makes you the fastest? Like, how? what is line choice in ski racing? I'm not a good person to ask about that because personally, my coach has been trying to drill what good line is into my head for like 10 years. But um, I think there's a lot of technical aspects, like for generally in skiing, you know, the basics of keep your weight on your outside ski, like stay balanced in the middle or to front of your skis, unless you're powder skiing, then you can sit in the chair, but stay balanced in the middle of the front of the skis and you need to keep your upper body calm and like your shoulders square, your arms up. It's like a array of technical terms that you have to kind of be familiar with and start to work into your training to be able to come faster, to become faster. But generally if you're watching the person that is the cleanest and looks like they're generating the most speed. Like if they don't have a lot of snow coming off their skis and they look like they're pushing really hard from their legs between turns, I would say generally, if you can pick out the person that's doing that the best, you're 80% chance that you'll pick out the winner of that run. So those are viewer things to look for. And also just general things that people can try and do in their own skiing. Cause those are all things that when I, I coached free ride, which 
yeah, you get to sit back a little bit more, but you're, I'm telling the kids all the same things, hands up, mm -hmm. lean into the front of their boots, keep their, I would tell my girls and they thought it was hilarious, but I'm like, keep your titties pointed downhill. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a hundred percent what we do. <laughs> We say chest, the whole safe sport thing, but yeah, titties down. I had a group of all girls, so <laughs> <laughs> that's why they find it funny, but yeah, yeah, I see how. Good old, good old, good old safe sport. Um, <laughs> sport yeah. <laughs> but Skip that's that also part of the coach change training, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's also like in mountain biking when you're climbing something steep, it's like boobs to bar. <laughs> just like you need to be like up and in it and just like driving up. Um, I probably told you that too. No, you didn't. <laughs> okay. I tell people that as well, but. Okay. It wasn't you, but fair enough. I think it was. Kudos to whoever did tell thing. you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, I think like, I don't know why, but I feel like ski racing has a weird vibe in comparison to other disciplines in skiing. And it's like, it like some of the most amazing skiers in free ride or like other disciplines have a background in ski racing because it's literally the art of control and like speed and being able to like grip it and rip it as hard as you possibly can and ski technical lines like fast and just fluid like um watching my partner ski sometimes I just like kind of stop and I just derp a little bit because it's he's so tight and clean and powerful and pretty to watch um and I think like I don't know why it has such a weird vibe, but if more people actually got into like the technique of it, they would realize that it is kind of like the art of skiing. Yeah, I think a lot of the weird vibe probably comes from the fact that it's less lifestyle based than free skiing. I mean, it's not it's not something that you can do till you're 60. It's something that you will be limited at some capacity when you're 30 from injuries and stuff like that. And then I think uh I mean, personally, I would have way more fun on a powder day than skiing a course or something like that. But I guess it kind of comes down to like the people that choose it, um, which also probably has a little bit to do with the vibe. But like, you're not choosing it because it's like the most fun and the most, it is fun. There are plenty of fun moments, but it's not the most fun or the most feel good of all the skiing types. It's just, it, it's a very accomplishing feeling though, because it's really freaking hard work. And, uh, and I know like all most skiing types, like if you're a skier, you know, there isn't really like an easy type of skiing. It's all like, it's fun, but it's all relatively hard work. But for me, I just find like, I feel so accomplished after like having good results or getting like good things dialed into my technical work that it's like it's just pushing me really hard because it's such a messed up sport in that way like you're going down pure ice that's super steep at really fast speeds and just like basically praying that you're, you're gonna be all right but it, it's kind of weird in that sense and so I could see how it's maybe not super appealing to a lot of people but it does give you like a really good sense of pushing yourself and a really good sense of putting yourself to the absolute limit of like what you can do and what is like sane to do almost. Um, so I think that's where the appeal for me is a lot of it. Uh, but like, if you look around at other skiing types, I'd say like they're more lifestyle based. Like you could go out and 
with your friends and like ski powder and have a really good time. And it could still be pretty hard work because like legs get burning and stuff, but it's, it's just like, it's not hard work where you're like mentally going through it, you know, ski racing, you can mentally go through it pretty often, I would say. (laughs) But it sounds like, like everything you explained about like the team dynamic, like traveling, you're like, I live a cool lifestyle. So it is still lifestyle focused. I think it's just a lifestyle that's kind of like distant to people. Yeah, definitely. Other disciplines are more accessible or approachable. And I wish that Mm -hmm. people like got to see and like vibe with that lifestyle. It's kind of like, I mean, Mm -hmm. F1 keeps getting thrown around with Mm -hmm. like relevance to ski racing and how like that series um, on Netflix completely changed the way that people think about F1, even though studies Mm -hmm. show they don't actually watch races, they're still more inclined to follow on social channels and follow athletes. Like Mm -hmm. I think it, it like made people care a little bit more and it'd be cool Mm -hmm. if we could like, if that could happen for ski racing, because I have so much more appreciation for it working with Alpine Can and like meeting the athletes and watching things than I did before. Like I ski race, but I hated it in all honesty. It was not my vibe. So <laughs> yeah. Also yeah. like you mentioned shows and stuff, but can we just appreciate how some of the most celebrated ski racers are like Michaela Schifrin and Lindsay Vaughn who are both women and people who don't ski race generally know who Lindsay Vaughn is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I- the highest level like there is a bit of recognition and like a basis that you could do a show like that like Mm -hmm. oh I think I think a show would do well actually like that f1 style show I think it would do really well because the people that I've met on the world cup tour are there are some wild personalities like some very very out there personalities but you don't get to see it in the 10 seconds that they're flashing on them in the finish you know you just get to see them catching their breath after their run and you get to see them do their thing. And it's probably the same as why, um, not, I, I mean, lots of people were attracted to F1 before the show came out, but now that you get to know their personalities a little more and you like, Oh, I kind of relate to that. Like they're actually funny. They're not just like a robot, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to follow along and care about their sports because the personalities speak so much more than just, plain results would if you don't care that much about the sport um yeah but there's there's some some people that could keep the general public very entertained in the ski racing world so (laughs) okay what's like a wild story then of like you don't have to like name names but like just general context of something like super weird and entertaining or like stories from the road that you can think of okay well this one i mean this one, a lot of ski racers do this, but there aren't always bathrooms all over the place at the start. Um, and so it, you can be like walking around the start and there will be some chick just like squatting and peeing like five meters away from your skis. And you're like, oh, hi there. <laughs> Didn't see you. Or maybe I'll just move my skis a little bit. <laughs> and like people are just like so unapologetically doing what they're doing it can be like kind of funny um a lot of the higher up girls have some very strong personalities like Sofia Goggia on the Italian team she's she's got a strong personality and but then there's also some like really really cool ones like another girl on the Italian team uh Fede 
Brignone. She spends a lot of time kind of around our team because we have some Italian coaches that grew up with her. But uh, she, like, I knew her when I was younger because she was amazing. She's a great athlete. But then as I get to know her, I'm like, okay, you're really funny. Like, I had no idea. I was just like, oh, she's fast. She's cool. She, like, wears cool clothes. I think she's awesome. But now I'm like, she's really funny. She's super nice. It's like all these little personality traits that you don't generally associate with the best athletes in the world. A lot of these girls have, which is cool. I would say. It's humanizing. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. Like they are also weirdos. The more like the older (laughs) I get and the more I'm around people that don't really care about what other people think, you just realize that everybody is their own flavor of weird and we're all just trying to survive. That's what it comes down to. So it's like, let your freak flag fly. It's 2022. It's also like the best time to be a weirdo on the internet because people just connect over weirdness through the internet. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, like, oh, you're going to have you, you know, I think you cut out for a second there. What? Sorry. Oh, no. You're <laughs> what did good. you say? I just said it's funny because it's like somebody is weirder than you and you just automatically feel super comfortable around them for no reason other than they're just a little bit more out there than you are. Right. How do you think I became friends with Tori? Yeah. yeah. Our relationship is like uncomfortable for other people, I think. Our weirdness just like vibrates off of each other. No, that's great. I, I love that. I yeah. really love that. Well, and then someone was like, do you guys want a podcast? And you're like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure you want to give us this outlet on the internet? <laughs> like, like, as long as you know what you're signing up for, we will happily talk for an hour. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, we just kind of dipped into ski racing in a hole. But, like, how did you get into it? And how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? I think basically by accident. My parents – I have five siblings. And – um. So we were a lot, six of us, we were a lot as kids. Um, and I think my parents wanted like some free time on the weekend. So they're like, ah, well, put them in this ski program. It's like babysitting at that point. So, and I think they thought it was ski school because the ski program in Pana when you're younger, it's like really inexpensive, which is great because it's like easier for people to get into. And I don't know if you don't know anything about it how would you know the difference between that and ski school you wouldn't really so I just we ended up in ski program and then they're like yeah so now you're gonna go around the gates and I was like "Mm, I think I I think we're gonna go back up to table or I think we're gonna go do the jumps on the side of that groomer actually I don't think I'm gonna go in the gates and then I finally tried it and I was like oh yeah let's do this all the time but um it was more like I just really loved skiing in general I didn't have like some wild passion for going around gates like I just loved being out there in general and I think once I realized that I like to push myself in like very odd ways I think that's when going around the gates became a little bit more appealing but generally I would say it's more started with love for skiing because I I like I like free skiing a lot um if I have the chance I would always take a powder day over a day in gates and I think I don't know it's just like me outside plus me pushing myself in super odd ways is like a very sparks flying combination apparently nice (laughs) (laughs) i i also love what you said too earlier when you said like having the strength to avoid the oh shit moments like 
growing up, how often would you train growing up that's like led you to now? Like you started in this ski school at Pano, but like turned out it was maybe a bit of a race team. So how long have you been skiing? I don't even know what question I'm asking here. How long have you been skiing? Let's just go with that. Yeah. So I, I started in the race program when I was probably eight, but uh, even, even with the race program until I was uh, U14. So once it starts getting like a little bit more doing actual races, we would only do gates Saturday mornings and then we would free ski the entire rest of the weekend. So like Saturday afternoon, Sunday during the day, we would free ski. And at that point until I was probably 15, I was only skiing on the weekends and I'd like a boatload of other sports that I wanted to do too. So I was just doing everything, but skiing is very unique. It's addicting to just being up on the mountain. So yeah, it ended up coming out on top of all the other sports I was playing too. Yeah. So then, so 16 or so onwards, then you're starting to take skiing a little bit more seriously. Yeah. I think I stopped doing my last other sport serious. I mean, seriously, I played, I, I did most school sports and all our club sports until I graduated high school. And then after that, that was when skiing became like the full-time focus. I mean, it was always kind of on my radar as the full-time focus, but the, at that point, I kind of stopped doing all my other sports too. I still actually do um, CrossFit, not competitively. I think I want to do it competitively at some point, but that's more of a cross training thing. So it works out well. I get to do them both at once. It's like benefiting and CrossFit is good for skiing too. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess that brings us into also like talking a little bit about how you spend your summers. So is CrossFit your primary summer activity in between skiing because you're training a lot through the winters but in the summer you, you can't always be skiing so yeah so we we spend a lot of time in the gym um i would say for me because i like crossfit and because that's what i would prefer to do it would be my main method of training. But then we also have stuff that we get from our team trainer that just helps build the other little things just so I don't have any chinks in my armor or anything like that. Um, and then we spend a lot of time doing just like general activities that we enjoy. It's because the the ski season can be a bit of a grind sometime. um, sometimes. It, it's nice that in the summer they if we're doing active things, they aren't always too picky about what it exactly it is. Like we could do a lot of mountain biking and they're super cool with that because it's something, it doesn't feel like work to us, but we're still getting our cardio and stuff in. And yeah. And then for me, I do CrossFit, which is kind of directly training in the gym, but it, like it's pretty, it's fun for me. I enjoy it. I, I find it keeps training interesting and mixes it up a lot. So, yeah. And I know the first world cup at Lake Louise, that one's always in November. So it's pretty early on. So the season would have to start before then. And then how late does it go? Like how long is your summer actually? So I actually just got back from New Zealand, which was a summer ski camp. Um, so. And I wouldn't say the season's already started, but we have gotten on snow already at this point. 
our first, our like season opener is sold in, which is October 22nd, I think this year. And it's a G- GS race. So I, I will be doing it because GS is my main event or I, I will likely be doing it. I haven't confirmed or anything, but I'll likely be doing it. Um, so from October 22nd, which is our first World Cup, uh, depending on how much races you do outside of the World Cup season, like the World Cup season ends in March, but then last year, like I skied until May-ish probably, just doing various things. Like I would, I went to a camp with um, a bunch of young BC girls and kind of was there to coach and help out. And then I went to some races just to help. There's these things called fist points in ski racing. And if people with good fist points show up to races, it makes the races better for everybody else. So I, I kind of got sucked into doing a lot of that, um, kind of where I live and close to me so that the points would be better for everybody else there. So I didn't actually stop skiing till May. So I went like October to May, I guess, start of October to May, which is long. (laughs) I mean, we get a few breaks here and there, but it's pretty, pretty extensive. Yeah, so you really earn your right to do what you think is fun in the summer, basically. But as long as you're still doing something, they're pretty chill about what that looks like. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's strength stuff that obviously is a must for being incorporated. And there's like cardio threshold stuff that like if you don't have that, you're obviously not going to do well in a minute 30 course. But um, I think they're pretty flexible with what we do for like cardio and like activities like that like if you want to hike you can hike if you want to bike you can bike if you want to go to the gym and run on a treadmill you can do that if you want to go for a walk with your friends by all means you know they kind of let us take the reins a little bit more there yeah it's like general fitness kind of trumps all is there any specific things that they would have you doing for like ski specific training yeah so i our, our Strength stuff consists of a lot of squats, emphasis on Brody's giant quads, but a lot of squats and um, I would say a lot of core stability. We really get in there with the core stability and the balance because if your core is weak, your body will just fold when you come into a turn fast. And I think we've all experienced that and nobody wants to experience that more than once. So <laughs> yeah, we a lot of core stability, a lot of uh, lower body loading. And then, um, I find for me, I think most skiers would probably agree on this, but like my ability to jump high and far and long and quick directly correlates with how I'm able to put power into turns. So I do a lot of jumping type of things like over hurdles or like side to side over boxes, that kind of stuff I find is pretty important kind of like explosive workouts, like short yeah. bursts of energy. I mean, yeah, that no, makes exactly. total sense. Yeah. And the core thing, I know that at like, cause like mountain biking is not a lot of core and that's turned into my main sport through the summer. I need to like mm-hmm. add some rock climbing in there cause rock climbing mm-hmm. is definitely more core. But um, I know like my first couple days of ski season, I'm like, like, just like, oh yeah, what core? It's like, it's non-existent, it's totally fine. I'm just gonna, I mean, you're so sore, like your whole back, your neck, everything is just irritated, so. We should all probably hit the gym a little more often. Yeah, that, that skiers back. Don't you can hit the gym all summer and you will still get skiers back. I can confirm that. 
that just doesn't go away. It's one of the perks of the job, I guess. <laughs> that says a lot because you're like working out and skiing more than most people. So that's yeah. like I know, yeah. and it just doesn't go away. I don't know. I've tried it all. There's nothing that really helps. Oh man. It's like when it's so bad, it like literally takes your breath away. Yeah. 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 It is a thing. Um I guess that also speaks to just sometimes the best thing to do for your sport is just literally the sport. I mean, yeah, you can prepare yourself every other way through the rest of the season so that your first few days back hurt less than they would have otherwise, but you're still going to have skiers back no matter what you do. Yeah, what, what I say is that you can always you can always train so that nothing is limiting, like, so your strength isn't limiting you and your cardio isn't limiting you and all of that, but in the end, there are going to be things that you just cannot train in the gym that you will come across on the ski hill and it's just gonna happen that's just part of it yep so for okay. people at home sorry tori i've talked so much you can talk i will shut up <laughs> what is new <laughs> so for people at home just to recap like core, core anything core exercises doing some squats working on explosive power and then maybe a little bit of cardio thrown in there or like your basic get ready for ski season kind of go-tos for just like people at home that might not have access to a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, I would say, I would say that's perfect. And you can do like a lot of body weight stuff that gets you like strong enough. At the end of the day, you, you're just throwing around your own body weight on skis. It's not like you have like a 20 pound weighted vest on. You're just moving your own body weight. So the better you can get at doing that, I think, in general in life you will be a lot more successful as far as fitness goes yeah and i guess we're we're going to be heading into your season pretty soon here because it's fall already basically um what are your goals for this upcoming year so i started off last season and i had a lot of like big goals in mind like results wise and i had like specific numbers that i wanted and all of these things and it did not achieve a single one of them. Like, not one. Like, didn't even come close. I was like, okay, maybe I need to steer away from that a little bit. Or keep it in mind because, of course, like, I believe in manifesting things. And, if, of course, if I'm, like, keeping it in mind, it'll drive me to do things more. But I think in general, my goals would just be to make sure I'm taking advantage of every day we have on snow. To be happy the whole season. To, like really feel like I had fun and I enjoyed it and I liked what I'm doing. And then the third would just be like not regret anything. I just like really don't want to finish a race and be like, well, I really could have pushed harder there, but I chose to be a little baby and not. So I just, I, I want to, yeah, I want to have fun. I want to not regret anything. And what was the first one I said? I don't remember. Clearly, it's not that important. I don't remember it. Maximize time on snow. Oh, yes. Maximize time on snow. Like, take advantage of every opportunity. And then, yeah, the other two. What Just I like. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I like about all those things is that instead of having it be, like, an external validating point, like, come in first at this race, which has so many factors that can go into it, and a lot of which you might not have any control over, you recentered yourself to things that you can control which is your own happiness your 
own like drive and determination and like making sure that you are happy with yourself at the end of the day. Like that's all things you can control versus being like, yeah, I want to come first at this thing. Like there's a million things that could happen that keep that from happening from being the truth and you might not have any control over any of them even if you tried your damn best you know yeah well that was that was my thing so last year i had all these like i want to get this result i want to place here on this race i want to win this and i mean i'm sure there's some people that that is really good for but i ended up just like miserable because I wasn't hitting any of my goals. I knew I wasn't hitting any of my goals too. I was very, very aware of that fact. And I just like, I, I hadn't even thought like put fit thought into how anything else would be going. Like, was I happy? I don't know. I probably wasn't that stoked all the time. I wasn't hitting any of my goals, you know? And like, was I really making the best out of every day on snow or was I just worried like, oh, well I skied bad today. So uh, uh, today's a write-off like that's a lost cause and yeah and the the not regretting anything one I think is a really big one for me because I'm like the queen of finishing something and being like well I could have done that way better and I just didn't and so I think it's like kind of two-part like accepting when I actually have done my best that that was my best and then also just like before doing stuff knowing that I want to put my best into it yeah. And another thing that factors into that as well is sometimes there, like I said, there's like so many other things that go on and what a race that might not have been necessarily how you expect it to go could still be your, your best for that day, but you have to reflect on it and be like, oh wait, but also like, these are all the other factors I was battling. And like, this is how my week went. And the fact that I showed up, I put a run down and you know, that that's like the win for today, you know? So yeah, I was such a like military officer on myself last year. I was like, you have no excuses to do bad. You have no reason. And I'm like, okay, I got to relax on myself a little bit because nobody else would ever say those things to me. So like, why am I going to be the first one to say them? I should let everybody else tell me that before I say that to myself, you know? Totally. Um, are you still training out of Pano? Where does the team train? I know Tori knows this, but I do not. So we we actually get to go to a lot of different places. We don't really have one home base. I, like my personal home base is Pano because anytime that we're not doing races as a team, I would go back to Pano and be at home. Um, but we don't have like one general home base because we're kind of constantly following the tour. So um, we'll probably spend a lot of time in Italy because we have Italian staff and it just makes it easier to get around. But yeah, we, we spend a lot of time in Europe, uh, as a Euro central sport. You guys literally go to so many places. Jade sent out like invites for all of the different places that all three teams are. My whole calendar is just like stacked. <laughs> it's so many. Yeah. I think that would be like physically impossible to go to every single thing that you probably got invites for There's oh it's just, just so we, no way it's just so we know where you are realistically it's like oh they're in this place maybe we could like get content around this or like ask them for an interview for this but it's like it's hard to keep track of um speaking of what's it like um i guess like 
I feel like ski racing and skiing in general, it, it's perceived as like an expensive, inaccessible sport. So I don't think people realize how much difficult it is like to ski race. Sorry, wait, I didn't catch all of that. Could you just repeat oh, it? Oh, shit. Yes. Um, I like, I, I feel like ski racing has like, it, it seem it is an expensive sport. So I feel like people think it's a privileged sport and they don't actually understand the cost of being able to, to like be on the Canadian team and that the athletes have to fund quite a, like a large portion of it. Like what's it been like for you managing being on the world cup circuit and training and everything? Yeah. I mean, I will be the first one to acknowledge that ski racing is a like privileged sport as far as sports go. I mean, for sure, every sport has their own expenses, but ski racing, like, you have to be by a ski hill, and that's a pretty large expense to cover all in itself. But, um, yeah, so for us, it, it does get a little tricky because you, like, work so hard, work so hard, kind of put a decent amount of money into it as you're growing up, and then you're like, when I'm on the national team, I'll be fine. But then you get to the national team, and you realize that it's not – it's not the best funded sport out there just because, especially in North America and Europe, it's a totally different story. In Europe, there isn't a single European skier on a national team that pays any money, but because it's not a huge sport in North America, it's harder to get funding and it, it's harder for us to present the appeal to other people like, oh, you want to sponsor a team? And they're like, I didn't even know there was a team. I don't know, like, why? I, 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 sure, but, like, I didn't know there was a team, you know? So we, as athletes, put a lot of work into helping our federation so that kind of collectively we can cover that cost. Um, I mean, we're, we're the athletes, and we get to do all the stuff and go to all the cool places. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against helping people fundraise that's like totally fine well I'm actually organizing a fundraiser me and two of my other teammates just the three of us are organizing a fundraiser in Calgary so we we are very very aware of how expensive it is and also try to make the best opportunities for ourselves to support our federation and supporting us you know um and I think I think like as far as Alpine Canada goes like they do what they can to leverage our sport but the reality is that it's just not a huge sport in Canada um and hopefully that will change because that would totally change the situation for Alpine Canada and for the athletes you know yeah what do you think how do we get people into it Honestly, I will preach this till I die, but a Netflix documentary would just absolutely change the sport. <laughs> like when I saw what it did with F1 and how many people who like had never watched an F1 in their race or an F1 race in their life loved that Netflix documentary. I was like, well, ski racing's next. Like here's another weird sport that a lot of people don't watch, but is actually pretty cool, you know? Yeah. What if, okay, so that would be sick. What do we call it? What's the name of the documentary? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Let me think. <laughs> like, how do we pitch this? Yeah. I don't know. Nut jobs on skis. Like, <laughs> nut jobs. <laughs> nut jobs on skis. 
there's so many weird personalities and you have to be a little bit insane to like a sport like this so why? yeah like what what makes you why well because you're you are in like very significant danger every time you push out of the start like every time you push out of the start could be the last time you're able to ski or for a lot of like for a lot of injuries it could be like the last time you're able to do anything actively the way you were before you know so we're we're always at a very in a high risk environment and to like know that and still keep doing it for so many years you have to like have some not firing properly in your brain yeah I mean I think Renee and I have that too Renee has this characteristic where she likes to send shit on her mountain bike that she should not send and then she goes full Jesus take the wheel and it's just like like let's go of the bike and just like embraces the rag doll to try and make it out of there to be fair I think there's a lot of high yeah no there's all those all those crazy sports it's like the exact same personality you guys probably relate to this so much too hundred percent. Yeah. Like when you're like saying you need to be strong to avoid the oh shit moments, I feel that so much because if you're free riding, like I, I can't relate to ski racing because I've never done it. But like from a free riding sense, if you're standing on top of something, the limitation is not always how big the drop is. The limitation is what is the landing? How steep is it? How soon do I have to turn? before I hit something, you know what I mean? So like, that's where the strength comes in, is in the ability to land and shut it down. Sometimes landing is the easy part. Shutting down is always the hard part. And that's when you need the strength. And this past season, I was more of a weekend warrior because I went back to school and skiing with, I, I skied one day with a couple of the Free Eye World Tour riders and being on that level with them and trying to keep up on my weekend warrior legs, I was like, okay, I feel it. This is what it means to be a weekend warrior. This is what like 10 days a year, skiing with people who have like skied as their full-time job up until this point this year, like they would like go to the sketchy drop-ins and I'm like, by the end of the day, I'm like, yo guys, I'm just gonna go around. Like I need the easy route right now. Like <laughs> see you later. <laughs> But that was the difference. Is yeah, the, it's funny. the pure strength. Like, yeah. yeah, well, sometimes, and in a situation like that, it's sometimes funny when your brain is like, oh, this seems pretty messed up, but I'll try to do it. And your body's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, abort the mission. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Yeah. Also, like, man, like, sometimes when you land, like, Okay, when you're when you're not in the gates, do you enjoy jumping off of stuff or like you're not supposed to jump off of stuff because you have to go back to the gates? Like how does that work with your recreational skiing? I mean, I don't have any specific um I'm not I'm not supposed to put myself in danger even though I right. do it pretty often, but um, yeah. I would say, I would say, <laughs> even though we just talked about how ski racing is yeah. essentially that. Yeah. I'm like, well, I could get hurt doing anything. So I could get hurt walking down the stairs. You never know. So might as well. You could hurt your meniscus stuff. moving boxes. <laughs> yeah. So, you could, you, know? you could injure yourself. Yeah. Picking up a box. So yeah. might as well do the cool shit, you know, but I, yeah, I think I, when I free ski, I like, I mean, I'm not stupid, I don't like huck stuff that I know is definitely going to go wrong. And I'm a little bit cognizant of my knees and like how they're doing because a knee injury is like pretty, pretty big bummer during the season. But um, 
don't know. I have fun doing like the crazy stuff. It's like it's like you guys. You guys relate to that. I have fun doing the stuff that you're like, mm, this is pretty scary, you know? Oh yeah. I get I get in mood sometimes. Like if you give me an energy drink and you put really aggressive, like I don't know, like Wu Tang, Meg the Stallion, something in my ear. Anything I see, I'm like, I'm gonna jump off of that. And if I'm following somebody who likes to jump off of stuff, it doesn't even matter scoping it. I'm just like, let's go. <laughs> and you can't like talk to me. It's just like in the zone. Um, I don't know. It's really fun jumping off of stuff. I feel like skiing is the only sport that I have where I'm, I feel confident enough that I can do something and not die. Or if I am about to die, like the landing does not go well and you're trying to hold your shit together. It's like, I have enough skills to like, hold it together or like fall competently. Like the number of dumb things I've done compared to the number of injuries I've had is pretty good. And I keep telling my mom that, but she doesn't really believe me. Yeah. And that's where like your core strength comes in is when you land and it's like not really what you expected. And you got to yeah. somehow like pull it back together. Like or if you like front punch and you have to like use your core to like pull your body back up forwards so that you don't like fully front punch. Yeah. <laughs> like your one leg gets kind of caught in the run out and then you end up doing like a proper like yoga pose leg up in the air and you have to like pull your leg around and hold it together. Like that's all like where the core exercises come in. That oh, I yeah. did not do last year. Yeah, the, the core is all to get out of the stupid things you put yourself into. It's like every uh, bad situation I'm in, I'm like, this is why I train. <laughs> this is why I've got rock hard abs. Yeah. <laughs> um, the freaking, um, do you know the man maker hit? Are you familiar with like the hits at Lake Louise? No, I've no? only ever been to Lake Louise a handful of times. Oh word well if you're here ever and you want to like fun ski let me know because i'm in calgary so we should go fun skiing let's um 100 go fun skiing that's all let's great. let's go fun skiing you deserve it it's for the soul <laughs> so, yeah soul skiing <laughs> soul skiing um but yeah i uh what was i gonna say i have a great video of me hitting man maker it's like this little like kind of is it like a windlip? What is it, Renee? It's like this weird yeah. little. So there's like there's a bush, and then there's, there's a, windlip. a bush. <laughs> there's a windlip that forms on the bush. So, <laughs> sorry, I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, and they have this thing between like Amy and uh, Andy Adam, Andy Sandler, or whatever his name is, thing, and it's like title of your sex tape, windlip in the bush. <laughs> no, sorry, I think. <laughs> That's perfect. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> the windlip. It is both the bush right? and the windlip. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I. It was like white out. Like couldn't really see anything. And my friend was taking a video, and I went off of it, and it was like full on chunder bumps, like tight loose. Did not see what the landing was, and my foot just goes all the way above my head, like one foot on the chunder bumps, and I managed to bring it back together. And he was like, "Holy fucking shit! Like you almost died." <laughs> yeah not yeah, dying is an art form that's a pretty jittery moment when you're like oh my god your like stomach still a little messed up from doing something that you really shouldn't have done and you're like well I survived that wonder what I'm gonna do next you know I know I have a friend that says you should start your day with a tomahawk because then you're reminded how big of a hit you can actually take and be okay <laughs> Yeah, it's like sometimes when you save too many in a row, your confidence gets high and you put yourself in really bad positions. Man, yeah. this year mountain biking, I had to like have moments where I had to stop because my confidence got up, my skills improved so much, and I was like just shredding. And then I'd have like a 
like a like skid out on a rock or like accidentally like twist my handlebars weird like not driving and like almost die going Mach 9 I just had to stop and be like you are not that good you're not this good <laughs> it was like confidence <laughs> skill we need to like level out okay like don't yeah. die <laughs> well because I trained with the boys this summer and like they're mostly all Whistler boys grown up biking like oh, pretty yeah. pretty crazy bikers and like my my first ride with them was an absolute gong show I fell so many times and not just like a little like slide off my bike like absolutely packed it into a tree kind of falling and then by the end I was like getting a little bit better and stuff and then I would just have some like huge block and I'm like okay I needed that because I thought I was a lot better than I was for a minute there but this is good this is bringing me down a notch can't get too confident out here I call that um, early season skills with late season confidence. <laughs> That's way too accurate. I'm using that now. That so That's like That's myself as a mountain biker, as well as Jesus take the wheel. Like Tori's talking about that man maker hit. And that's a classic Jesus take the wheel hit. Because if you land it, there's actually a lot of space to drop your speed, but first you're gonna end up going faster and you're probably gonna go faster to the point where you think you might die. But then if you keep cutting across, you'll eventually slow down enough that you can turn. But what they don't tell you is that it's gonna be mostly bumps. So you're gonna be like tail tapping all the bumps until you finally slow down and then you can turn, hopefully before the trees. <laughs> and that's like my classic way of hitting it too sometimes is I just like land, end up going so fast and then have to slow down at some point whichever way I, I turn, but you either slow uh, Jesus down, take the wheel. Jesus take the wheel. You either slow down because you actually slow down or you slow down because you eat shit and you come to a firm stop, but it's one or the other. It's just like, you need to like, it's like backseat bandit, just like absorbing all of the impact in your knees from the bumps. It's like, I'm okay. We're completely out of control. Could I like turn and stop right now? Nope. We're just going to ride it out and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's um, definitely been moments where you're like, oh, thank God no one came in front of me because we both would have died. And like, that's probably really not safe. And I should really reconsider how I ski in future. <laughs> but then you don't. Really? We're all like back doing the exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like, I like think about it for 10 minutes. I'm like, huh, not my best decision. I mean, I'm going to be smarter next time. And then like the next day, I'm like, so what kind of crazy shit are we doing today, everybody? <laughs> We're all just no, kind of like, like addicts. Memory. Yeah. yeah. We're just fiending for it. It's like, ooh, yeah. it's like, I'm going to go fast and take chances and come out of things that I probably shouldn't. But tally ho, let's get into yeah, it. I'll play with my life a little bit today. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Let's flirt with danger. All right. <laughs> um, I think we do have to wrap it up, though. This is a great episode. Sometimes we talk about like really deep shit and this was just like authentically skiing and it made me stoked for ski season because it's coming up real quick yeah also just a little motivation to maybe like do a squat, a squat. i'm not gonna promise how many squats, but like you, you know a couple a squat. i think <laughs> like, oh, it i still up. remember how to do this <laughs> i should be yeah. good for another few months <laughs> I think like a sit up is like what came out of today. It's like, don't forget about your core. All right. Don't just try to be Brody Seeger's thighs. You need to work on your core. Core stability, everybody. <laughs> yes. Freaking brick yeah. wall. All right. You need to yeah. take that impact, maintain the tight loose. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
but this is kind of like your time if you want to give any plugs like um any sponsors let people know where to find you say hi to your Um, mom and dad your fish you know stuff yeah uh well my instagram is uh at underscore cassidy underscore gray g-r-a-y um and yeah i mean i've oh i have great sponsors too um i my main sponsor is scotia wealth management they're great like off scotia mcleod or scotia bank branch yeah and um i've prairie sky and panorama mountain village as well this year as sponsors so thank you to my guys over there you guys are awesome yeah it's pretty much all <laughs> mom and dad you guys are pretty great too <laughs> <laughs> mom and dad just like high five thank you so much for yeah. everything <laughs> yeah okay sweet well thank you for coming on this has been great yeah oh, thank you guys for having me it's been a pleasure fantastic and good luck um with your fundraiser well when is this coming out Renee oh it's not coming out when's your fundraiser it's, again it's a week a week from today so it'll probably have already happened by the time it comes out but no word baby. that's okay we'll I hope everybody out. that came and listened to this podcast had a blast <laughs> <laughs> had a blast had the best time ever <laughs> <laughs> okay sweet